Welcome to the Valiant Central Podcast. Back with the same old intro, Travis. Travis is here. Dewan is back from bathing in hot wing sauce. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to see you. Yeah. Well, you can't see me, but it is good to hear me, I suppose. I think when I hear you, I see you. Yeah. It's like I use the force. Are you? Oh, I was going to say, are you psychic? No, but the force. I don't know. Is the force psychic or is it dabbling? Whatever. It's, see, it's bacteria, yeah, bro. The, the, what, what is it? The Mandalorians? No. <laughs> What's that thing? Travis, you're a Star Wars guy. What's that thing that gives you powers? What's that thing? The, the little bugs that give him powers. Oh, midichlorians? Midichlorians. There you go. Is that still canon? Unfortunately, yes. Ah, uh, that's a shame. That sounds like something in your toothpaste. <laughs> like the active ingredient in your toothpaste. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, we have decided to change this podcast to the Star Wars Central Podcast. Yes. Finally. Yeah, sorry, 2BT. <laughs> sorry, 2BT. You're not the only Star Wars show anymore. We're breaking into the, the real estate. <laughs> That's right, baby. We're taking your market share. That's right. Right now. Right now. Yeah. Okay. Dude, so the the trailer for uh, The Mandalorian, that's some pretty good shit. Yeah, it looks good, it. man. I'm in. Is that a car? Like, what's The Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what uh, Marty McFly uses in Back to the Future. Yeah, this seems like a, a new age DeLorean. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh... All the Star Wars guys are writing hate emails right now. <laughs> exactly. Send them to me. Send them to Act Collect Value. I'll take them. I'll take them all. Uh, you'll take the hit. Uh, no, we're we're not talking Star Wars, unfortunately. We're uh, we're talking Valiant. Yes. Because uh, we like those guys. <laughs> They're nice. <laughs> they love us. They love us. They treat us well. So that's what we're here to talk about. We uh, give us back rubs, and you know, on a rough day, they give us like nice back rubs. It's true. It's very comfortable. Very good. That uh, that Greg, great back rub. Great back. (laughs) (laughs) Greg's gonna write me an email now. What the hell? (laughs) Sorry, Greg. Greg has never given me a back rub. Let me put that. Let me make that clear. Uh, but hey, this is what happens when you podcast at 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like after dark. This is like Valiant <laughs> <yet> after dark. <laughs> no, we uh, we're going to talk about some books uh, that we uh, we don't normally do that kind of thing, but I guess we do now. Hello. Uh, we uh, yeah, dude. Are we are we sneaking in on VCR territory? I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what what VCR video cassette recorder. Yeah, I haven't used one of those since like 2001. Oh, probably more than that. My uncle had a Betamax. Are we doing Betamax? Did he? Mm-hmm. Man, we. He was, he was an engineer, so he had like all the cool tech back when it was. Did he have a laser disc? He did not have a laser disc, but I do remember the little Betamax recorders. Mm, that's a shame. Yep. Yeah, R.I.P. Betamax. <laughs> yes. Both, both the technology and the character. Right. See what I was going with that? Uh, too soon. Too yeah, soon. Yeah. Mm. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. I don't know. He's been gone a while. He has. 
Anyways. All right, right, okay. Yes. So, did Betamax die, by the way, in, um, God, what is it, Dedra? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, dude. Like, can we undo that? Like, <laughs> It's not canon. Yeah, like, let's just, let's just establish that that is not canon. You can do that. Of course. We just did it. But everybody loved Betamax out of that whole series. He, he's got to come back. At least bring Betamax back. I don't know how you're going to bring him back. Because you should bring him back. You just put him on a poster in the back of a panel or something. You know? I mean, if you want to bring Betamax back, I want to bring Edison back. Do it. Bring him all back. Edison was great. That Who's jerk. Edison? Edison, he was the bad guy in Quantum and Woody. Bring him back. Remember bring Thomas Edison? He was like the, the, the mad mad scientist guy. Bring them all back. They all need their own one shot. There all you go. the throwaway characters need a one shot. They can they can do uh, throwaway characters versus the Breeze Brigade. There you go. All on free comic book. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's buying that stuff. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so we we received early copies of Bloodshot number one. So we're gonna briefly discuss that. But uh, this week, we have the final issue of Fallen World, and since we've already discussed Rye, I figured we could spend a little bit of time talking about Fallen World. I agree. Let's do it. Right on. All right. Uh, Fallen World, of course, written by Dan Abnett with uh, art by Adam Polina. Uh, Abnett will be writing the new Rye series, as we've discussed previously. Go check that episode out. That's from, like, three weeks ago. Uh, Adam is not doing the art. It'll be Juan Jose Rip ripping it up. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this one. Cause I, th- I think now we can actually talk a little more freely about Rye. I think the, yeah. the stuff that happens in Rye number one is not spoilery if you've read issue five of Fallen World. Is that fair? Yes. Um, so let's assume everyone has read Fallen World number five by now. If you have not, pause the show, come back later on, or just read it as we talk about it. Cause that's how we roll. Um, all right, so we get a final battle with with the Blood Father, uh, which I love the name. I wish somebody would have come up with that sooner. Uh, the Red King. Uh, the reason I love it is I don't know if you guys know this. One of my favorite TV shows is on the CW. It is called The One Hundred. And last season there was a character called the Red Queen. So when I saw the Red King, I was like, ah, this is perfect because uh, they're they're both kind of post apocalyptic shows. Uh, that show's very good, by the way. I don't recommend you, like, catch it at a current season. It's one of those things where you probably need to start on, like, season one and watch it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I like the, the take on Bloodshot here, uh, the, the union with, with Father. I like this whole quest of finding the 12 sons of Father or whatever, uh, that Rise and have to go into. Uh, again, spoilers for Rye number one. Uh, basically, the the setup that we get at the end of this issue is how Ryan number one begins. So let's let's talk about some impressions on, I guess maybe the series as a whole, uh, not necessarily just this particular issue. Well, um, the art wasn't very moving to me, you know, and I hate to criticize artists because I can't draw to save my life, but it does help the story pass, you know, go through better. And it just it was hard, but, um, I, I, I like the characters. I mean, it drew in a lot of characters, a lot of new characters. So, um, there's a lot of, it, it could branch out a lot of different ways to me, 
you know, you got War Mother in there, the Beast Brigade, Rye, you know, the Blood King. Um, that's very exciting to me, mm-hmm. to be honest. You know, to, to get those characters back in that 4001, 4002-ish uh, vibe. Um, but I think the art just kind of let it down. You know, because the 4001 art was really good, and you kind of thought you were getting that in this story, and you kind of didn't. But I did like the colors. I think I mentioned this before. The colors made it seem like it was OG, like Unity or OG Valiant. Mm-hmm. So that was like really good to me. So I know we don't give a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of airtime to colors or whatnot, but it was good. I really liked the colors in the, in this book in the whole way. So that's, that's my, my, uh, my thoughts on that. Let, let me ask you, you, you still get physical copies of these books. Travis or, and I are exclusively digital. Uh, on everything. Did you, did you notice a difference in the quality of the art between the print and digital versions? Mm, you know what? I can't really answer that because I don't, I had, I didn't read one physically. I just read mm. the digital, but gotcha. I'll do it right now. I'll go downstairs and grab one. Yeah. Just take a look. Guys, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Talk about it and I'll grab one. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know this this has come up with uh, like DC books, for example. Now that they they've changed their um, the quality of paper they use recently, and I have noticed that for the most part, I don't think there's much of a difference. Um, but there are certain styles that I don't think fit as well in digital as they do in print, uh, even through like the Comicsology guided view. Uh, so I was curious about that a little bit. Did you uh, did you have an issue with the art, Travis? Uh, no, I, I enjoyed the art, you know, like I, I thought it was pretty attractive, uh, like Polina's art, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like, it was very detailed, like, and you know, I, I liked the design and, and execution on like the, the mutant animal creatures, like yeah, the Tunkunga. The Tunkunga, yeah. Clan, like, like, I thought that was great. Um, so like, you know, I... I think obviously you established an aesthetic, uh, you know, the, the Clayton Crane stuff, like since he was exclusively working on that, uh, all those characters for so long, I think it's difficult for people to accept like a different style, Mm. you know, like, but I, I thought this was like, like looked really good to me, you know, as did like, uh, Kafu, when uh when Clayton was doing two thousand or four thousand one. Right. So art wise I liked it. You know, story wise I thought that there was a lot to like. You know? Uh, yeah. like I thought it it like it really did a good job of picking up on existing continuity. It, like it, to the extent that, that is important to people. Um but like it also I thought built out the world a lot. Like this whole like Cortunga clan I thought was a really cool thing to put into the mix, you know, um, I think there were things, obviously like the ending is kind of like, not really a conclusive ending, Mm -hmm. you know, like father survives and everybody escapes for the most part. Um, uh, like, so that's going to be a story that continues and that's a good thing. Um, I, I thought it was strange. They didn't really pick up on the whole thing with like, the Geomancer and, and Gilad from the last issue. Mm-hmm. The thing that seemed to be like take up a, a big chunk of that issue was talking about this choice to make. And it's like, well, did, 
what happened with that, you know? Well, I think even though it wasn't explicitly said, I think the choice is pretty obvious, right? Because uh, the Geomancer is opening up this portal for them to escape out of. Um, and I found that really interesting because even though it's kind of glossed over, it's like a panel, maybe two panels uh, about this. Uh, the fact that they're bringing in the uh, the green of the grove um, as kind of like it almost felt like future Geomancer kind of, right? Uh, I can't remember like the exact lines that were said. Um, and I'm not going to look it up right now. But uh, I was like, huh, okay, like, these are basically Geomancers of the future. And it's the first time, I think, that it's been established in that way, um, even though we've had the character show up in, in War Mother and now in this. Um, and, you know, because of that, I really enjoyed it because there was, like you mentioned, there's a lot of ties into the overall universe that we really haven't had previous to this. Um, I think Abnet did a terrific job at like really polishing certain elements of the universe that we hadn't seen before. Uh, you know, like bringing in the Raijin, I thought was a really cool idea. Uh, of course, he's going to be key to the Rai book because that helps Rai find the other children of father. Um, but like the stuff with the, the green of the grove, I thought was really cool. Again, the, what was it? Cartoon, Kirk, Korkunga, Tortunga, I can't remember. Uh, but that elephant dude is awesome. The the leader has, of the animal tribe. He has a potty mouth, man. <laughs> he does have a potty mouth. <laughs> he has a potty mouth. Like, almost like a Marine, you know? Like, it almost seemed like they positioned him like to be a Marine. Yeah. You know, like the leader, and he, but he, he does have a potty mouth. Stereotypical, like, soldier in my mind. And, and as, you, as yeah. you said in our chat, he's got uh, one of the most gruesome best kills in a while it's a tough kill dude it's a very tough kill it is but did you look at it in detail like if you look at the panels before that his right tusk is like broken yeah tip it's not a point yep but but when he kills one of the circadian type of followers it has a point the exit wound is a point yeah the exit wound is a point and it's just like, uh, you kind of missed that guy. But <laughs> no. Yeah, but to Travis's point, it was probably one of the top, like, it's got to be in the top five or top ten kills in Valiant. I mean, it still doesn't beat that one with EXO, right? With the grenade? Or it was that bloodshot? It wasn't like when he throws the head through the guy's chest? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ghost yeah. Rider Collider. Yeah, Ghost Rider Collider. <laughs> episode oh. title. <laughs> that was uh yeah, that's what it's called dude oh is it like that's legit the name of it that's like otv uh nomenclature i love it i love it shout out to otv um yeah that was a good one matter of fact the best one uh but yeah this this is definitely up there man it was I, and i wasn't even expecting it because i was trying to uh follow this very closely panel by panel because uh, there's just there's a lot of action, uh, in particular in this last issue, the issue before as well. But uh, you, you've got to follow the action closely. And uh, I saw that and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, that was good. And I went downstairs and looked at the image. I uh, looked at the physical copy. Mm-hmm. It, it the books do look better in the the print. Yeah, they do. They look better than the PDF. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like the the inking isn't heavy, so. Like the inks are really thin, and maybe it maybe it 
it kind of makes the artwork look lazy in a sense. Mm. Kind of like something you would do maybe starting out. Like I just, it just took me back to like my high school art class, you know, I got trying you. to draw, you know, and, and I don't know, like I like the colors because it reminded me of OG Valiant because it's like painted almost yeah. like watercolors. Mm-hmm. It's just like watercolors, which I really liked. So I don't know. It's not the, that the art is bad. You know, Travis, you really liked it. It's just maybe the combination of the inking, the art and the colors. So maybe it wasn't a good mix. I think. I think maybe the problem is you're judging it by the review copy. Um, cause I yeah. do, I do subscribe to these books on comicsology. Um, cause I like to read the final copies, uh, after they come out because the art always is better on those final digital copies. Um, I think the, because these are review copies, maybe they don't polish them as much. Um, cause like, you know, you just, you're reading, it's, it's copies for reviewers, right? for podcasts or websites or whatever. Uh, so you don't need to maybe go all out on it. And, uh, and as a result, I think the, the art sometimes does suffer a little bit on a, a review copy. Uh, but I'm looking at my, my comicsology copy right now and it looks much better. Uh, even, even with a guided view where you get the bigger screenshot. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that might be the issue there. Um, God, I'm still thinking about that damn kill. Woo. It's great. Um, you want to describe it? Can we describe the kill? Yeah, go for it. Travis do it. There was Travis. <laughs> it out. Uh, well, yeah, he just kind of gores a dude like through his mouth and up through the top of his head. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what to call it, you know, like tusks of the, I don't know. It, it was like through the mouth, wasn't it? Like, so it's a side view of the elephant and the warrior. And the the right tusk just goes through his mouth, his whole face, and through the and it, it curves up through the back of his head like mm-hmm. an exit wound. It was very good, very good kill scene. Yep. Which that brings up some interesting stuff too in terms of the future. How about, uh, yeah. Deep tusk. Deep, deep tusk. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not touching that. It's the that. deep task. <laughs> you heard it here first. I think uh, I think what Travis said in our chat was maybe uh, not safe for work. So we shouldn't repeat that. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember exactly either, but I read it and I was like, hmm, this might be on Pornhub. <laughs> you got to sign in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Get the premium. <laughs> so, can we? Uh, is it safe to say that Father's kind of making his own uh, Bloodshot Army now? It seems like I don't know if you guys caught this or not, and maybe I read it wrong. Uh, but it seems like Circadian at the end is the guy that was impaled by the elephant, right? So, mm-hmm. Father's like infusing this cult of people with nanites now. So they're yeah, they're I, no longer quite human. I saw the people. And I didn't know if they were like just offshoots of his body, or was that actually different people? Well, so the you were talking about the red guys. Yeah, yeah, the red guys are just nanite projections. Okay. Yeah, those are nanite projections. I'm talking about at the end. Uh, you see, Circadian come back up. Um, man, now I got to find it because it was uh it was in like a uh in the the, the Word balloons, it explained what he was doing. 
Um, but I'm pretty sure it says something like, okay, here we go. Um, so, so circadian, like, I remember circadian from school, like circadian rhythm, yep. like your, your, your normal heartbeat rhythm, like when you wake up or during the day and when you go to sleep. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out how this ties into this guy. I don't know yet. I got to look up their definition of circadian, but I just remember it from blood pressure. Like your circadian rhythm in the morning, like you're more apt to have like a heart attack in the morning when you wake up because your circadian rhythm, like you go from a resting position to standing. Oh, right, right, right. And it messes in your circadian rhythm. So I, I just, I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to use that name for. Yeah. So circadian rhythm is basically what tells your body like when to get up, when to go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Relating to or exhibiting approximately 24 hours of a relating or showing rhythmic behavior with a period of 24 hours of a relating to biological processes occurring at 24 hour intervals. Uh, That's interesting for him because he's religious. This is more, circadian rhythm seems like more scientific. Yes. Hmm. But not so much anymore because now he's part father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found the panel. It says he uses nanoware gifts to bolster and repair his zealot followers. So now these guys are a little more powerful. Like first they were powerful because like they don't give two craps, right? Like they're zealots. So they'll do whatever it takes. They'll sacrifice themselves for their beliefs. But now with this nanoware that they have inside them, they're a little bit more dangerous too. So So it's the idea that like, if you if you kill father, then like all the the troops and stuff will also die. Um, I mean, well, maybe maybe they're they gonna fight on two fronts. Well, didn't the old father, the original one, didn't he like? Didn't he have like control of everything pretty much? Like all his warriors and stuff, he could just even the rise, he can just. You know, send them out to different sectors and do what he wanted to do. Yeah, because they he's, just, he's trying to build up his army again. Yeah, he's trying to do the same thing because they they all had part of his nanites in them, uh, so right. they were all connected to him. That's why he wants to find these twelve children because uh, by each one has like a different piece of the software required to recreate father. Mm. And so by- is this this guy? Is he just like a failsafe for father? Like if something. You know, if father was to die, this is like his fail safe to where he can reboot. Because they keep talking about rebooting, right? He wants to reboot. Yeah. I don't I don't know if this guy would have enough of father in him to reboot father, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's something about, like, the body's chosen where they can't handle all the information of father. And that's why originally he put him in these 12 different bodies, uh, which I was a little confused because they keep talking about finding these 12, but Raijin admits that he already killed three of them. So there's not 12. There's more. There's got to be more. Yeah, there's got to be more. So I'm thinking they're like floppy disks, man. You know, your Apple IIe, you have to put the floppy disk in the drive, and that's the only way you can reboot. You remember? Do you remember? Martin, you don't remember. Oh, I remember. Nah, bro. The that was my first computer. Yeah, yeah, a 2E was my first computer. You had to put the two floppy disks in to get mm-hmm. it to boot up. Yep. Maybe that's what this is. God, that computer was terrible. It had Oregon Trail. Hey, <laughs> be nice. Be nice. I had Oregon Trail in my calculator, bro. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, that's old fogies, dude. That's right. Man, did you ever play Drug Wars? 
No, I did not. Oh my <laughs> did you god! Maybe it was just the thing in my high school, man. We uh, we had to have those scientific calculators, the graphing calculators, mm-hmm. and and the cool thing about them is you could write programs in BASIC on them. Right. So like we used to share games with each other. Like you could download off the internet, super slow, of course, because it was all dial-up back then. Uh, but you can like download games on the internet and put them on your calculator. And one of the ones that we played was Drug Wars, where like you were a drug dealer, you start off dealing quaaludes, and like you have to sell them and they like make a profit. Sometimes you gotta like run from the cops. Uh, and it wasn't like there was no graphics; it was all text. Um, but it reminds me of that because one of my kids right now is playing a game called BitLife. And it's like freaking drug wars, except like this is a new game that just came out. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, no. look look up drug wars game. It was the best thing ever. And then like you could upgrade yourself. So like when you made enough money of selling quaaludes, you can like get into more expensive drugs. So like if you got into cocaine, like you'd make a bunch of money because cocaine was more expensive. See, that's the government's way of trying to get everybody into the drug game. <laughs> That's, it's a conspiracy. It could be. I said it. I said it here first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be. Dang. Yeah, it's a, it's on the it's on the nets. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta say that my favorite thing in the series is definitely going back to Travis's point, expanding the universe more. Uh, I I I feel like maybe I sounded like a little bit of a Debbie Downer last episode, maybe because I was sad that Juan wasn't here uh, when I was talking about Salers, for example. Uh, and I, I want to make it clear, because I got some messages about that. I want to make it clear that I don't dislike the book. I really like the book. Uh, but the one thing it, for me it, it's not doing is connecting things to the overall. And, you know, after reading this and what you said, Travis, maybe I'm being impatient. Because, you know, it, it's taken how many years to get to this point in Fallen World? And it's taken five issues to get the the amount of connections and, and world building that we got in this one. Um, I think this issue had the most world building out of the entire series. Yeah, I, I mean, there was there was some world building in like issue three, you know. Yeah. Like, like I think that they definitely did a lot for the like the Grove and the Cortunga thing. Uh, but you know, now you set up a new status quo that like that kind of extends that storyline a little bit. I guess I'm curious uh, if those other storylines are going to continue when it turns into Rye in a couple months, you know, or if like, you know, it's going to be a totally Rye centric book. I mean, it's hard to judge off of reading one issue. Right. But my assumption of that one issue is that all those threads are kind of on pause right now. Um, Mm. The the green of the Grove stuff, the geomancer stuff, the stuff with um, Lula, with the Cortunga, uh, all that is on pause while Ryan and Raijin go search for these 12 guys. Uh, and I think we're going to get a lot more of Bloodfather and a lot more of Circadian and his guys, uh, but not so much of anything else. Uh, and that, maybe that's kind of set up a little bit in that ending monologue that Lula has, right? Because uh, she sends a message out to all the other colonies like, hey, don't use your radios, mm. like don't communicate electronically, uh, none of that stuff. And so, of course, I think naturally that will lead to kind of uh, silence in the story as to what's happening there. I'm not saying like Lula and stuff won't show up, but I don't think it'll, you know, she or anybody else will be key to that story. Uh, although we might see like more of these colonies, right? More of the, the down sectors. Did you guys That'd be think, great. Like, maybe like, you know, the, the old regime in Valiant, like they had their big uh, 
summer book every year, you know, a big event title. Mm-hmm. Do you think this might have been like their last big event title? Because this is so many characters in here. Like you said, so much world building. You know, do you think this was like their their last take on like the 4001 and made this like 4002 or something like that? Because we saw some of like the Beast Brigade and some of these other characters and um, we would have had a big splash page of all these characters maybe a year, two years ago? That was in uh, Book of Death. Book of Death, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all the characters that we had never seen before. So do you think this this should, this was probably like tagged to be an event book for the summer? And then the new, you know, the, the new regime of value just said, hey, just bring the book out, you know, to kind of set us up for the future. Yeah, that's interesting because this – I don't think this really felt like an event book, right? Right. Um, but it does set up a lot for the future. So I don't know. That's that's kind of tough to say. Um, I think with, with the way that comics work now, just doing an event doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Unless you're Marvel or DC, it doesn't make sense. But Valiant always had an event book, right? Yes. Even if it wasn't good. Like we could be very honest. Like in the past, some of them weren't very good um, or they just didn't – they weren't as good as what they were billed to be. Yeah. You know, not to say that they weren't important, but, um, towards the end there, you know, the, we, we, we kind of thought the buildup wasn't worth what we got, but they did advance the storylines and whatnot. So in the characters, and I kind of got that feel with this, like it could have been pubbed to be something really big. And you know, what they used to do is they, they'd bring out all the covers and, you know, pump you up. This is going to be big storyline in the summer and then you're just like okay you just spend a bunch of money on it as collectors and um i can see them you know wanting to do that with this but they didn't which i appreciate you know but it did advance the story and it's with all the characters in here it's great well i remember i remember talking to paul about that when the valiant came out because the valiant was billed as you know this huge event and Mm -hmm. like it was a fantastic book but to me, it wasn't an event, right? Even though you had all these characters in there, uh, you know, to me, an event has to have like really s- serious consequences for the universe as the book is happening and afterwards. And I think the only like really big thing that came out of the Valiant was K dying. And then right. maybe that led into some of the, uh, the bloodshot, uh, stuff that came out afterwards. But outside of that, like it didn't really affect anything else. Right. So in terms of that, I don't think it's an event. Um, I think the, the event thing, maybe the definition isn't quite clear sometimes. Uh, cause I think some people will be like, Oh, an event is just like your, your key book that you're focusing on. And to me, that's not an event. Right. Yeah. Like Dude, they've, the- they've used oh. like the word event a lot in, in over the years. Like, essentially to kind of refer to miniseries, you know, like The Valiant. It did it for Divinity 3, which is kind of, like, understandable in a a way because, like, it's, like, you show glimpses of, like, universe stuff and there was tie-ins. So, like, that kind of feels like an event. Like, Bloodshot USA was just a miniseries Mm -hmm. that was arguably just, like, a continuation of an ongoing, but they called it an event. Um, So, like, you know... it's questionable maybe what the term means per se, aside from like, we just want to like put more attention on this like specific arc, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, it seems like it's difficult right now to, to grapple with the idea of doing a, a, like a big event 
that touches a lot of stuff and has tie-ins, et cetera, in the, the classic sense, because there kind of isn't a single now right now in Valiant. Right. You know, like there's all of these different books, but there's not really an indication ever of when things are happening in relation to what, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, they've kind of lost that thread almost entirely least to try and get back to a thing where stuff is interconnected and like you have big seismic things that that like that kind of shudder outward into the universe in the like typical like sense of events like that's i don't know if that's ever i don't know it would take a lot to get back to a place where that could happen i don't think that's like exclusive to Valiant though. I think really every publisher has gotten away from placing any story in, in a timeline. Um, I think every, every once in a while we might see something that might place it in, in current events. Um, like when the, the most recent Captain America book came out, uh, like they're directly tying it to like election meddling and Russian spies and stuff like that. Um, but I don't really think we've had comics being placed in a particular time. I mean, probably for 20 years, man. Uh, I'm sure, like, you guys might remember in the original Valiant Incarnation, like, they had dates, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there was no doubt when anything was taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was true for, like, everybody. Everybody did that kind of thing. There was always a date attached to, like, a big thing going on. Um, now, all that's gone. And I don't know if it's because, like, publishers just don't want to place a story in a particular fr- time frame. They just want to make it more everlasting, evergreen. Um, I wish they'd kind of go back to that in some respect. In particular, when you have a big connected universe, right? And I mean, even like DC or Marvel, when they have big connected things, you're wondering like, when is this really happening? I know I get that with like Batman and the Detective Comics all the time, because uh, supposedly they're both current, but like, obviously the stories are completely different. And they're written by different people. And I'm like, well, how could this be happening in this book if last week when I read this other book, like, he was doing this other thing? Yeah. It, it kind of constrains the creator, especially when you swap creators, mm-hmm. you know, maybe every story arc, to have just, you know, everybody on the same timeline. You know, every story, every book that you have on the same timeline. So when you bring a new creator in and you want them to, you know, spruce things up or change it in a different direction and you constrain them to this timeline, you've already told your story. So what do they have to do to, as a creator? Nothing. They just kind of have to tell your story in their way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To where when you have these different, maybe like, you know, each book is like a pocket, pocket universe may not be the right way to say it, but uh, loosely tied to the same timeline. You can tell your whole story and take it in the direction you want. And then when they want to have a big event, they can they can turn it and bring everybody together. Like mm-hmm. a big event to me was like the original Unity, right? That's an event. Mm-hmm. You know, it shook every book, every character was tied into that event. This, um, I think nowadays readers, you know, they they want to be taking on a, a good story and they don't want to be constrained by a certain timeline in a sense, unless they have to be. Yeah, I so, guess. I, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me as much as what I'm saying. You know, if this is a good story and you want to grab two or three titles or characters and put them in and, you know, kind of like what they're doing with the uh, Dr. Mirage and, 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 and those characters or whatnot, that uh, go for it, you know, 
go let let it run and see how far it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be the new directive, you know. Um, again, I just I just like that sometimes. In particular, if you have something big in scope like this, uh, I mean, I, I would say the only like real event that Valiant has had is Harbinger Wars, and I'm talking about the first one. Um, beyond that, like maybe Book of Death, Armor Hunter. Yeah, I mean, I guess Armor Hunters was an event. Yeah, yeah, that was God. Yeah, well, how many issues? Was that? Like 19 issues, 20 issues altogether. Um, and even though it didn't run through everything, it was definitely tied to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Armor Hunters was great. I mean, dude, like, I, I just, I can't, you know, I, I would feel like you guys would agree that the first couple years, like, you know, through Harbinger Wars and Armor Hunters was, like, pretty compelling. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, everything reinforced everything else, you know? So it was, like, greater than the sum of its parts, you know? And, like, like I don't know, I don't know that there's the same kind of synergy with this strategy. Like, I like the stories, you know? Like, and I, I understand the... The motivation, but uh, like you know, maybe even just if you have periodic like quote unquote events that like that really do move the whole continuity in a in a direction or something. Yeah, you know where, where stuff feels like it's connected. Yeah, you, you you deal with like two just really fast. Like even in this issue of Fallen World, you know when you have events where you. You have so many characters in there. Somebody loses their voice, and it, it, I think readers pick up on it. Like in this issue, Galat says maybe two or three things, and to me, it was weak. Mm. You know, it was just it. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't him. I think he could have had a, more of a presence. At least a couple more panels to you know kind of be more assertive in this book, and it wasn't. And you have that when you have big events. And you have all these characters in there. Everybody doesn't get their voice out in all the, you know, the pages and the panels. And that's that's tough. It's got to be tough for writers and creators to to get everything in there that readers want. And uh, maybe that's why they take this strategy of you know having these little pocket stories here and there. I will give you that. You know, you would think a character like Gilla that's been fighting wars for thousands of years would be at the center of this uh, battle against the blood father, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, that that was a little bit off. It, it didn't really bother me at all, though. Um, no. He wasn't, like, huge in this series anyway. Like, I mean, he had his time, but um, he wasn't huge in it. And did you notice, too, that the elephant guy, I did notice in one pa- uh, panel he had the three scars on his chest, mm-hmm. I think, kind of <clears throat> like Gilad. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, there's one panel uh, during the battle where they barely made it out of. They didn't think they were going to make it out of. And I saw the three little scars on his chest. And I'm like, is that on purpose? Huh. I don't know. Interesting. Could be, yeah. Just look Just look at it when you read the book. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that again. Um, I did look at that one scene that you were talking about with the broken tusk. And that's a different elephant. Is it? Yeah, it's a different elephant. Okay. Phew. <laughs> yeah, Yo, also, let me let me add like I I like Dewan's point about like running out of space in events. Uh but that is why tie-in issues are awesome, you know, like because you could give like Gilad his whole issue that that shows like all the like his contributions to the story. 
Sure, and, but like that's the approach you have for like Harbinger Wars is like you have multiple like POVs running through an event. But the thing is, this is not a Gilad story. But Gilad yeah. is just such a major character. Sure, but it's not a Gilad story. This is still a story about Rai trying to take Father down. But you, you can't can have, have Gilad. You can't have a subpar character like and a. a... Uh oh, I think Travis broke up. Oh no, okay, sorry. I, I I was saying like you could have a Gilad book and a War Mother book and you know uh like a Lula book or whatever, like like to fill out a little bit if if you feel like people aren't getting enough time. I mean maybe. But you know, oftentimes we forget about the other side of running the business. And like, sure, I mean, I would love a Lula book and a, Garden, a Green of the Grove book and a War Mother book and a Geomancer book and a Gilad book to be concurrent with Fallen World. But like, is that feasible in terms of the publishing schedule? Well, it's just like, if you can have a, a fan base that absorbs like huge, huge orders for like carbon fiber covers and glass covers and stuff, like, I think that they could absorb like an extra tie-in book a month for, like, when they want to do an event again, you mm. know? Possibly. That, uh, that's interesting. That's, with Valiant, that's got to be real sensitive as far as, like, they, do they go that route? Yeah, I mean, I would assume that, you know, those kind of covers, for example, would take the hit on some of the costs of putting this book out, much less having the additional stuff just to appease readers like us, you know what I mean? Like I said, I, I, like, I would love a book for everything. You know, that book didn't sell a lot. Sure. You know, so if you got an, these other lesser characters who we want that story for, but is it going to sell? Like you said, Martin, is it, is it financially, you know, feasible to do that? Yeah. Yeah, you got to remember we're still concentrating on a small amount of books. Right? You're still only getting like six, seven books a month, tops. Uh, and I'm, I'm totally fine. Remember like years ago, everyone's like complaining about 10 books a month? Yeah. Now it's just like whatever. We put six books out a month. Like, what's the big deal, right? Would you would you want ten okay books, or do you want like six really good books? I think the lineup right now is pretty strong, right? Like, this was a good book. Doctor Mirage, I think, is fantastic. Uh, I think Killers is really strong. Um, mm-hmm. We hadn't talked about uh, Life and Times, but that was really strong as well. Uh, Bloodshot's coming up. I really enjoyed what I read in the first issue. So, you know, I think I think Valiant's in a pretty good place. Just you can't do everything at once, and you definitely can't appease everybody. Yeah. Uh, okay, like, I I agree, like, that what they're, what they're doing right now is great. You know, I agree. And I, like, like, I do like the strategy, you know, kind of focusing on these different characters. Uh, uh, but, like, there are fans out there, you know, I, I'm trying not to like puppeteer here, like, but like, I, I feel like it is a narrative that people want the tent poles, you know, like they really miss for. And I know that Bloodshot and EXO are coming back, uh, you know, but like, you know, Archer and Armstrong, you know, there, there are there are tent poles that haven't been there. Like Harbinger, who knows if that ever is going to come back, you know, like so people, I think certain of the fan base seem frustrated right now with there not being the staples and kind of looking at, you know, what they would see as like second tier characters. But if you had 10 books, you could do both. Well, that's the dilemma you're dealing with here. Like the, 
Valiant has so many characters, and everybody has their favorite books and favorite characters, to where, like, say, if money wasn't an issue, they'd put them all out, right? Mm-hmm. But they can't do it. So somebody's going to suffer. Well, and I think, Travis, to your point, like, focusing on second-tier characters maybe is not such a bad thing, right? Maybe they're second-tier because nobody's ever focused on them, right? So let's try something new with this character and see where that where that ends up. That could be interesting. I agree. But if they if you put out another two books a month, uh, like, like, then I think people are less bothered by, like... It feels less like that's coming to the expense of things they like. You're not taking things away from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I tend to think like some of the lesser characters when you do when they have brought out books for them, some of the times people just poo pooed on them. You know, they just really dogged it. It's like they want them, but then they dog them. And you kind of have to stick to your core or whatever you're going to focus on. You know, your six books that you're going to focus on and just try to do those really well. It's almost like a lose-lose situation unless you hit a home run. Like, you got a really good story arc and a really good creator. Um, you know, Valiant fans, we're finicky. You know? <laughs> if it's, it's just, you know, you're not going to win. You're not going to ever please everybody all the time or even the majority of us. So you might as well just do what you know you can do and do it well. And we're going to be here. The one thing about Valiant fans, like, we're not going anywhere, right? We're just not. We've been here for 30 years or however. We're going to be here. We may not like everything you're going to do, but we're not leaving unless you just totally crap the bed on it, on, on the books. So, you know, do us right. You know, you got to, you know, some comic book companies want this, this loyal fan base. So you got it. Just do what's right and we'll, we'll follow you, you know. With that said, though, as Valiant fans, you know, you just buy everything because it's Valiant. Yeah, true. That's what I'm saying. But you know, you got people like us. You're just gonna buy it. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not like horrible, like totally horrible. You know, we're gonna like it. You know. But I, my thing is, just take me on a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I trust you to do your job and to take these stories to where they're gonna go. Because at some point, I know I'm gonna be wild. You know, I hopefully I'm wild every month. But take me on this journey. I'm there. You know. It's like, you remember the old airline TWA? <laughs> I'm always going to fly TWA, baby. You know, whether the service is good or bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but hey. Hey, whatever works, bro. I will always shop Taco Bell, even though they use the same five ingredients. There you go. See, you're a loyal customer. That's right. Love me some Taco Bell. I didn't get any tonight, though. My wife, actually, before we started recording, went to Taco Bell. She's like, you want something? I was like, nah. I should have got I something now that I think Taco about Bell. it. I did. But she was That's nice and it. asked me. But now I want Taco Bell. Haunted by nacho fries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's spend a couple minutes talking about uh, Bloodshot number one. Uh, again, no spoilers because the book's not out yet. Um, just general impressions. Wait, what? What? We did spoilers on Fallen World. Is the book not out this week? Yeah. Well, this this show will be out after Fallen World comes out. Fallen World comes okay. out Wednesday. This will be out Friday. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. But, we, so when is when is Bloodshot coming out? Bloodshot's not out for a couple of weeks, right? I don't know. Let's I look it up right now. Use to read them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now 
I gotta find it. Way to go, guys. Sorry. Let's see here. Oh, it's September 25th. All right. All right. Okay. There you go. So it's uh four weeks out. All right. Okay. Oh, wow. Got it. Four weeks out. Um, okay. I will say this. I I know this is not feasible every time, probably. But you know how we got physical copies of Ride Number One. I would love if the preview copies for like books way in advance were sent in physical format. And this is probably like super inside baseball, and people listening don't care. Um, but I, I don't know. To me, it made it feel like extra special. Plus, you have the fact that like. You know, this is this is a constant problem in comics. People share like review copies, right? Um, and it kind of gets rid of that problem. But I think uh, it, it just it would have given it a little extra umph for me uh, if if these books that we get a month, two months, three months in advance uh, were sent out as physical copies. Again, this is inside baseball. This is probably just for Greg and the Valiant crew. Uh, but just uh, consider that in the future. Um, again, it's probably not very financially feasible, right? Because it's basically free to send a PDF. But uh, I don't know. Just a thought. All right. So why do you why do you want the physical? I think by doing the physical, I, I even though I'm a digital guy now, I, I do still believe that there is something about the experience of having the physical book. Okay. Um, I think it. There's something about it that reads better, maybe because I've just been reading comics for 30 years, right? And it's something that I'm more used to, and it gives me that, like, fuzzy feeling of being, you know, eight or nine years old and getting my first comic. Um, but also, I think, like, in terms of the reviewing side of things, uh, to me, it it makes it better because there's no way that this can be sent out and people read it ahead of time. Oh, uh, I get you. See what I mean? Yeah, I got you. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, all right, so let's talk about Bloodshot number one. Yes, I'm excited. Duan, kick, kick us off. How, give me some overall first impressions. You know, I don't get excited a lot about anything, you know. <laughs> that man, sounds so bad. <laughs> man, and you know, I've been down on Bloodshot, like, totally down like i don't think i even read the last run because it just didn't it just it did i never do that i read i usually read everything man i opened this up it, it just reminded me of when i started reading comics mm. just if you were like uh if you like the 90s comic art and story you're gonna like this it oh, yeah. reminded me of an image book or early mcfarlane-esque type artwork maybe that's giving it too much credit but maybe it was just the inker on this it was great man i just felt like i went in my basement and pulled a bunch of old backlash issues and was reading this like holy shit man see this this is great exactly so brett booth was i i was introduced to brett booth through stormwatch um he did issues like three to six i think and then he left because he was the artist on the backlash book um, and you guys know, the only thing I love as much as Valiant is Wildstorm. And just like seeing Brett Booth doing this character just gave me like a fuzzy feeling inside. Thank you. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Cause it was, yes. it was exactly what you're saying. It was like reading a comic 25, 30 years ago for me. Cause 
I was into Brett Booth 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Like he was drawing the, the shit that I loved. Um, and so for that reason alone, I was very excited for this book. Uh, I, I knew that just seeing Brett's art was going to be something. And, and to make that comparison again, it, this book felt like reading Backlash. Um, like the tone is very similar to Backlash. Obviously the art is very similar. I mean, he's developed in the past couple decades, but, um, it's still, it's still Brett Booth. You can tell that it's the same guy that did both books. Um, but just like it's, this book is like nonstop action. And I'm with you, Duan. I know Travis and I had this talk, I think maybe last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, where I have also not really been into blush. I've never really been a bloodshot guy. Um, I mean, there's books that I've enjoyed, right? Like Valiant was good. Um, I like the, um, the second Bloodshot series that came out. Um, but overall, like my Bloodshot was like old school VH1 Bloodshot. And that book is a lot like this. Uh, okay, sure. It's not the best, but like to me, Bloodshot works best when it's like balls to the wall action nonstop from beginning to end. And you bring in like the, the army stuff. You bring in like the mob guys. Give me some vampires, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's what works with Bloodshot. And the cool thing about Bloodshot is like you can put him in anything, right? Like we just talked about Fallen World. Like that character's not really father. Like it's kind of Bloodshot, right? And you can you can do that with this character, and that's really cool. Uh, that every person that writes them can have a different take on them and it still feel like bloodshot and to me this feels like the most bloodshot now i know travis is going to disagree so travis give me some thoughts Ooh, all right well i I, i'm going to try to be diplomatic uh let me start by agreeing that i think that the art looks amazing uh and like it definitely looks like you know backlash you know like i there was, uh, especially right at the end where you see, like, the crew of, like, villains or whatever. Like, that felt very Image Wildstorm, like, 90s style. Which, like, and I feel like I need to kind of give a shout out to Paul here. You know, it's, like, 90s comics. Like, ooh, ouch. You know, like... You shut your mouth. It's not necessarily, like... Look, we were all, like, we were all there. We were all, like, reading crazy stuff. Doesn't mean that it was, like, great at the time. Uh, so, so it's like, I, I don't know. Like, if that's what we're, what we're aiming for with this, I, I have some concerns because I actually think Bloodshot, I, you know, I prefer the VH, or sorry, the, the VEI Bloodshot that is, like, more nuanced, you know, and, like I do like the the stuff that Lemire did with the character, um, and like I don't really know that any of that is clear. How much of that is still even on the table right now with this like iteration? Yeah, I agree, Travis. I can see it from both ways. I think um, I think they can toe the line and do both. You know, you can have the nuance bloodshot, but some of the panels in here, the action scenes, that's what you want with bloodshot. I mean, the way he- Artists did these these scenes, and I won't spoil it. But there's a couple panels, some of the fight scenes. I'm like, yes, yes, because you don't have to think, and it's just action, just dropped on your lap. Boom, bloodshot, move, and it just moves. It moves, it moves, it moves, it moves, it moves. So I can see them maybe having like an issue of straight action 
And then the next issue of storytelling, you know, more in-depth storytelling, getting in his head, and then more action. But the action has to be action with Bloodshot, you know. And I think this art is just great. I mean, it just, to me, it just called me an old fogey. You know, like your parents listen to 1970s and 50s music, and it's just <laughs> like they're 18 again, and, and they think it's the stuff. Maybe that's how I feel about the art in this book. It just took me there. Like, just how much money do you want? Put me on that rock. Yeah, and I think I think the story could go any number of places. Uh, I mean, Travis, you know, we we read Team Sealy over in the Aftershock stuff, right? Like he's doing the Dark Red book, and he, mm-hmm. he does a really good job at towing the line between emotion and action. So I'm not really concerned that it's going to be just an action thing. Um, you know, it is the first issue, and you want to bring people in to this character. Right, people that have never read it before, and you know, still have a nod to what people that have been reading it know about the character. And I think there's several nods, and I think the the path chosen for the series, at least based on this, follows directly from what we've seen before. Right? It's like Rising Spirit's gone, and Bloodshot's now a renegade, uh, being hunted by this group. So I think that works perfectly. But he's also doing a mission at Yemen, like. At the behest of, you know, unclear, you know, <laughs> like, sure. what, what is he doing there? You, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, I feel like this is a, like kind of a, a recurring thing like that. I, I don't know, like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the device, generally speaking, but like, you know, we don't really know how we got here for Bloodshot. We have a two year prior flashback that frames the issue where they introduce the idea that they're hunting down bloodshot, but what he's doing now, like you're just dropped in and like, it seems strange in that he seems like he's, I, I don't know. Ooh, I'm, I don't want to spoil. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, don't, I just, don't spoil. I guess, I guess I just, uh, I don't know. Like, like I personally like wouldn't mind a little bit of like, getting there rather than doing it in flashbacks. I mean, I I feel like he's basically been dropped into a situation in every story that he's been in, uh, in VEI. Uh, and we, we even see that in like the book of death stuff when he goes, uh, and lives with that Eskimo tribe, the, the Inuit tribe. Like, why is he there? He's just there to get away. Maybe that's why he's in Yemen. He's just there to get away and protect people. But can we agree that bloodshot is a mess? <laughs> like, I don't if it's purposeful like if it's purposely done but it's not a mess they try to have handlers right and that gets blown up right he's handled by people told what to do it blows up then they send him off on his you know he has a kid and a dog and blood squirt and all this and that's a mess you know and then whatever they try to do in this last run is a mess but that usa was a I like it, but it was a mess. Like he's never, there's nothing. You just don't have a, a direction with him. He's just like walking in circles. Like he's, he's like homeless in his own world, you know, and then people try to take advantage of him and he tries to get, but he never control of his life. And then it's just a mess. He needs a wife or a, a direction. He needs a therapist, something. What, what are we doing with Bloodshot? <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, maybe really Tim Seeley will fix that for you. Thank you, Tim. Please do. Please. 
I'll send you a Christmas card. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought this uh, first issue was really fun, and uh, and I enjoy, I mean that's what I want out of Bloodshot. I want a damn fun book where stuff blows up. That's exactly what I want. Yes, it uh, masked. You know, maybe maybe we'll figure out what he's doing in Yemen at next issue or in two issues. But you know, like it's a first issue. What do you want in the first issue? You want to draw the crowd in. You want to have something exciting. You want to set up the villain, and you get all that stuff here. Right? And I think Travis needs the right bloodshot. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. No. There you go. Yeah. No, I don't want that, man. But I, like, I could pick somebody to write bloodshot. Yeah? Who would you pick to write bloodshot? Uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. So I guess uh, that means uh, two thumbs up and one thumb sideways? Yeah, I mean, like... I'll I'll go thumbs up. Uh, you know, like I'm rooting for it. So you know, like yeah, fair enough. Let's hope it's good. I think it's gonna be great. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jazzed. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Definitely If you remember those Wildstorm days, I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. Ooh, Nelly. There's one panel on there. I don't want to spoil it, but I just, the one scene, I think he had a guy in the headlock or whatnot. Uh huh. And yeah, I won't spoil it. You got to just see it. I was like, yep, <laughs> yep. That's, that, that's what I've been screaming this whole time. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. That right there. Give me more of that. Very good. I think it's time to wrap this one up, gentlemen. Thank Let's you for listening to the Valiant Central Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can, of course, find us on Twitter. Let us know uh, how you feel about things. What uh, What's Valiant doing right? What's Valiant doing wrong? How'd you like Fallen World? Are you excited for Bloodshot? You should be. Don't listen to Travis. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Of course, Dewan is at Collect Valiant. Travis is at The Great Magnet. I'm at Geekvine, and the show is at Valiant underscore Central. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one.